The reading is from 1 Peter 2, 18-25. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourself to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Steve worked for a nightmare of a boss for three years. She was a dominant bully who changed the goalposts all the time and was temperamental in the way she worked. But Steve really felt that God had called him to the role that he was in. So he did his best working in that place. He was gracious, he was forgiving, he challenged where he could, and he prayed for his boss uh, that she would become a Christian and that she would change. But after three years, Steve gave up and he moved jobs. He felt broken. He'd really struggled there for three years for nothing. We're going to come back to Steve's story a little later. I wonder how you would answer the question, what are you called to as a Christian? Maybe you would answer, I'm called to be a good parent or godparent. Maybe you would say, I'm called to share my faith where God has put me. Maybe you'd say, I'm called to bring transformation uh, to people's lives, to bring in justice. I expect lots of us who are Christians would say something along the lines of, I'm called to love God, I'm called to love other people. All brilliant responses. But I expect few of us would respond with, I'm called to suffer for the sake of the gospel. And yet here in this letter that Jesus' disciple Peter writes, he says quite clearly in verses, uh, chapter 20, verses 20 and 21, if you suffer for doing good and endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you are called. To this you are called to suffer. Why would our God of love and justice, our God of mercy, call us to suffering and struggle and pain? But suffering is part of our everyday lives, isn't it? I've experienced it this year as I felt the deep pain of grief following the death of my mum. And rubbish happens to us all. People hurt us. Relationships break down. We struggle with work. Perhaps we're bullied. Finances are tight. People close to us get ill or even die. You might feel that the last four months have been a particular time of suffering. Coronavirus has brought about the suffering of separation from people we love. It's brought about worry for our or other people's health, anxiety about business or job security. 
And our response to all this might be, God, this is not part of the deal that I signed up for. You're meant to love me and you're meant to care for me. You're my protector and savior. So what is happening here? And sometimes when we're struggling like this, our prayers turn into ones of lament as we cry out to God, help me change this. Why is this happening? And it's worth just noting that there, are, uh, there is an important place for this sort of prayer. The psalmist, even Jesus, prayed like this in a lamenting way regularly. But I wonder if part of the reason we, we struggle so much with suffering is that we haven't really grasped the strange paradox that part of our calling of Christians, as Christians who have experienced the love and life and joy and freedom of Christ, is also to suffering. The paradox of being a Christian, that we're called to life and freedom and also suffering. As Peter continues to write, he turns his attention to the many slaves who have become believers. At the time Peter was writing, slavery was ingrained in the whole system of that society. In fact, depending on which scholars you read, somewhere between 25 and 90% of the population of the Roman Empire were slaves. And the roles slaves had and the treatment they experienced varied hugely. Some might be laborers, others teachers or doctors. Some might be treated as part of the family they work for. Others were exploited and abused by that family. But at its core, slavery was a form of systematic, legalized dehumanization. And so Peter is very aware that slaves who have become Christians are living in this strange paradox where on the one hand they've discovered freedom, the freedom of salvation in Jesus, their identity is now as a chosen child of God, and yet on the other hand, they're trapped and dishonored by their identity as slaves, and are often enduring real suffering. So how do they live as Christians, torn between these two identities? And here in 1 Peter 2, verse 18, Peter gives this guidance. Slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also harsh. And he goes on, but how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it, but if you suffer for doing good and endure that, that is commendable before God. Peter isn't saying it's okay for people to treat you horrendously. He isn't saying just roll over and take whatever abuse comes your way. His point here, and this is where it applies to all of us, whether we're enduring good or difficult times, whether we're in a time of struggle or things are going well, whether we're slaves or free. Firstly, if you are a Christian, you are called to live a Jesus-shaped life for all to see. And secondly, we should expect suffering. Because if we're followers of Jesus, we're invited in to share Jesus' way, which was one of love and joy, but it was also one of persecution and pain and suffering. So let's turn back to the passage, verse 20 and 21, where Peter writes, if you suffer 
to this you were called. Why? He goes on. Because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. And then in the midst of this pretty grim sketch of the reality of life that some Christians were experiencing, Peter hangs this beautiful portrait of what the example of Jesus in the face of suffering looks like. Verse 22, he committed no sin and no deceit was found on his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. As Jesus faced the humiliation, torture, excruciating pain of the cross, the abandonment as he hung there, he didn't retaliate, he didn't threaten. Why? Because of the bigger purpose that he knew he had. Verse 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. And because of that, here is the good news for all of us who perhaps are suffering and struggling in some way. By his wounds, you have been healed. By his wounds, you have been healed. It's through Christ Jesus suffering on the cross that you and I have been forgiven and healed and restored into fullness of relationship with the living God. And so whatever our situation as followers of Jesus, we're called to live a Jesus-shaped life for all to see. This is not a victim-shaped life, nor a downtrodden life, not a, a life of bitterness or regret or retribution, not a life of self-obsession or absorption, but a Jesus-shaped life. Steve left his job feeling broken and rubbish that he'd had to walk away. A few weeks later, he had a surprising phone call from the person who'd taken over his role. It went something like this. How on earth did you work for her? He asked. You know, she is completely impossible and I'm thinking of leaving already. And when I asked around some of the colleagues, some of the colleagues that we had, uh, I, they told me to give you a call because they said you had always been so upbeat and gracious. You have been the one who brought so much to the team, despite how difficult everyone knew this woman was. Despite his struggle, Steve was just living out this Jesus-shaped life in his workplace. And it wasn't until he left that he discovered the impact that he'd had. As lockdown continues to ease, and as some of us physically re-enter communities, whether that's work or in the school playground with friends, we have opportunities to live lives in such a way which demonstrate who Jesus is. We need to be the ones who bring hope, who offer to pray, who stand up for the ones who are being gossiped about, who live out grace, whatever the cost. Being a disciple of Jesus is about loyally, unashamedly, without exception, following him and being ready to count the cost on the way. Jesus turned to his disciples and said, if anyone come after me, they must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me.